Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you hear those words, you can feel good knowing that. State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. Now, let me tell you, girl, I don't got a boat, a motorcycle, or an RV, but State Farm covers my home and my car. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help protect your future by helping you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And you know what? Getting insurance can be so intimidating because you don't know exactly what you need. So having an agent that could help you with each step makes it so much easier. Girl, I feel you on that. So when things get complicated and you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Maybe you like to handle things in person or on the phone with your local agent, or you prefer to do it on statefarm.com or on the award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. I personally am the type of gal that likes to do things through an app. It just makes it more easier than going in person or hopping on a call. So I love that they have that option available. Girl, I like to use an app too. I'm not trying to pull up a person or or a call because I'm way too, I have too much social anxiety for that. I'm trying to do it on the app. So that's why I'm here with State Farm. And that is why, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey there, everyone. I'm Sarah Weldon, CEO of Trufinco, a finance company dedicated to helping both budding and established small businesses. I'm thrilled to be hosting Business Perfect Formula, a podcast designed to demystify business funding, real estate investing, and business credit. My goal is to simplify the complexities of alternative lending, showing you that navigating the financial landscape can be straightforward and stress-free. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts. It doesn't matter that I'm a refugee. That is only a status, but it's never written on my face, never written on anything of mine. It's never going to determine my destiny because I'm the one to write my destiny. I write my own story. To invest in these girls, to see them differently, not just as object of development, but see them as women who can actually do something with their life and give them job and skills and give them the dignity back. We went to my village and we asked the children to draw a computer and they could not even fathom what a computer was. I never gave up because my passion for space was so big that I kept pushing. Welcome to the Global Goalscast, the podcast that explores how can we change the world. This episode, arming girls with the power of technology. But first, a shout out to our sponsors. We can't make the Global Goalscast without you. Later in the episode, we speak with another leading woman in technology, Shamina Singh, president of the MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth. You'll hear her describe how innovation can drive inclusion, which in turn can power societies and economies. Also, our thanks to CBS News Digital and to Harmon, the official sound of Global Goalscast. Welcome back. I'm Claudia Romo Edelman. Welcome to Season 2. And I am Edie Lush. So, Claudia, here's a test for you, a New Year's test. What are we all about here at Global Goalscast? 
Well, those amazing female voices at the top said it all. We at the Global Goalscast are about making sure that you know the world is making progress and we highlight the voices of the champions making a difference. In season two, we're going to focus on inclusion because the world is already diverse and we just have to make sure that we make it inclusive for everyone and bring everyone to the table so that we can achieve an equal world for all. And we are very openly biased towards girls and women. This episode is about opening up a better world for girls by giving them the tools of technology. We're going to meet some amazing women. How about a Latina space engineer who's using what she learned from programming satellites to track cows for farmers in Uruguay and keep track of those cows' carbon emissions? Ay, dámelo todo, mami. Meaning, I want to hear that. <laughs> Satellites are awesome. Cows are cool. And the cows in Uruguay, the beef in Uruguay, I spent actually quite some days this holiday trying to herd the cattle in Uruguay. You did? So I, I, I did. Okay. You're going to hear about the Latina space engineer in a bit. But first of all, I want you to hear from one of my favorite people in the world. That's besides you, Claudia, Mariam Jam. I've been interviewing her for a few years. She's a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader, and she won a Gates Foundation Award for her work creating I Am The Code. It's a movement empowering one million young women and girls to become coders by 2030. But it wasn't always Gates Awards, Davos recognition and podcast interviews for Mariam. My country, Senegal, in the 1970s, still a very caste system. My mother come from an oligarch family, and so my mother had us outside her caste. So they, they rejected us as children. And so that made us live in a village in, in deep poverty. At the age of 11 years old, I was raped by my teacher. I was trafficked from Senegal when I was 13 years old to France. I was a young prostitute in France. It wasn't something I wanted to do. Uh, I was under the tip station in France until uh, I got picked up by the French police. My life started really when I was 15 years old. 15 years of my life was taken away from me. It was a very difficult upbringing. I owe a lot to the United Kingdom. That's where I learned how to read and write properly, educated myself at the local library. I just fell in love with books and fell in love with the library because that was my safe space. I was starting my alphabet when I was 16. The education we take for granted today in Europe and also in, in the United States. Many people who come from marginalized communities and deprived communities don't have that. Just eight years after learning her ABCs, she was calling out the biggest names in entertainment. She became an activist after writing an open and critical blog to Bob Geldof and Bono, criticizing the way Africa was being portrayed in commercials for Live Aid. She saw girls like herself in those ads and wondered why they never bothered to speak to anyone that they were showing. While she laughs about the broken English she wrote that blog in now, her point was, why are you speaking for Africa? Why don't you let Africa speak for itself? The blog was picked up by the Guardian, and then I got called to come and join the global development community as an advisor to advise on how we can be impartial on African content. I was vocal, but at the same time, I had a, I had a legitimacy to speak for poor people and for young girls and for the poverty in Africa. Mariam wanted to be more than just a voice and an advisor. She wanted to give more women the ability to speak for themselves. 
I Am The Code does just that, bringing girls together to teach life skills like speaking up for what they care about and giving them the technology to do something about it. I wanted to use a skill I actually have to go and not only empathize with young girls and women, but also teach them the skills I know, which I know that will be sustainable, will be impactful. And then I just studied I Am The Code and I, I gave myself a, a goal to get one million women and girls coders by 2030. The first thing we do is we organize a hackathon. The I Am The Code is, is based on the Sustainable Development Goals. So we bring the girls in the private sector together in one room to discuss gender equality, climate change and key topics that is affecting our world. When I went to one of her events, I saw girls sitting in a safe space, learning about gender equality, climate change, meaningful jobs, menstrual health, gender-based violence. They came up with ideas about how they can improve their own lives, their own schools and neighborhoods with technology. In the second, they have digital clubs, so we have our own computer kit. It's a Raspberry Pi-based computer, and we have nine content and curriculum, which is free. And all these girls can use whatever they are in the world. We open safe spaces for them so they can sit and learn, but also they can do this remotely. You don't need to know how to code to be part of I Am The Code. Everything is self-explanatory. Private sector would like to hire 100 women uh, Java coders or data analysts or scientists or program managers. We can provide these people as well. She prepares them for jobs, but for life too, with techniques so that they can make their own choices about healthy eating and caring for their bodies. That was at the heart of her critique of Geldof and Bono. She took them to task for dictating Western ideas. Her goal now is for the girls she teaches to come up with solutions for the problems they face. So many issues that women and girls are facing. We don't have any solutions targeted to, for, for women, especially from the marginalized communities. And so I just thought that by teaching them how to code and giving them digital skills, I think that that's, that's our duty as, as technologists. At Mariam's I Am The Code events, I love seeing how she inspires the girls, but what's really moving is to see how the girls inspire her. I see myself all the time. I cry a lot when I see them. But I cry in many ways. I cry because now I can help them. Also, I cry that... Uh, society is still failing them, and someone is deciding in their life. The system hasn't changed that much. I can relate to them. I can I can see exactly the dreams they have. You know, the lack of opportunities and networks and connections. The world is a global village. However, there are still children who have not seen anything like a computer. There's this one time we went to my village. We were trying to set up a library and we asked the children to draw a computer and they could not even fathom what a computer was. That's Louise Wambui, assistant to and protege of Mariam. She grew up in Miri, a small village deep in the mountains of Kenya. She loved reading the Hardy Boys, got straight A's through high school and studied mathematics and economics through university. She realized her real passion was for the environment and helping people. When I joined I Am The Code, I got to meet very many people through Mariam. I got to meet people who helped me push my work forward. So now I get to explore both my strengths and my passions. Now I'm able to interact with young girls and young women and teach them about climate change and about technology. 
So I have projects that are going on in Kibera, in a slum like Madare, in Korogocho. These are places where we have gone, as I am the code, and are reaching out to the girls who've been also affected by FGM, which is female genital mutilation in early marriages. We reached out to the girls in Kakuma, which is a refugee camp in Kenya. These are girls who cannot leave the camp because they are in the country on refugee status. So for the first time this year, we got to celebrate the International Day of the Girl with them. Mariam came over to Kenya and we went all the way to Kakuma and we gave some computers and they started their coding lessons. Seeing and hearing the big dreams that they have and just interacting with them and getting to see that they have not put themselves in this tiny box that the world puts them in. Their dreams are quite big. It's very inspiring for me. One girl at a time, we are strengthening the community because we involve the communities that we work with in our work. We look for mentors among the people who are in the community so that these girls get to learn from the people that they know and the people that they see, the people that they look up to. These are people that, you know, look like them. There's something about young black girls from the village, from the slums, even from the towns, seeing a black woman who has made it because then they know that they too can make it. I felt very happy to see Mariam coming all the way from UK up to here to help us. And I'm so thankful to her also. And I like her confidence and how she talks. I would also like to be like her in future. Today I've learned about the 17 big girls and I have also learned about the code. It doesn't matter that I'm a refugee. That is only a status, but it's never written on my face, never written on anything of mine. It'll never destroy my, my destiny or it's never going to determine my destiny because I'm the one to write my destiny. I write my own story. Those are some clips of Elizabeth and Abol, secondary school students who live in Kakuma refugee camp. And these are just some of the girls Mariam has worked with. I equally could have featured some girls from India, Brazil, China. You can watch those clips in our social media feed. Mariam herself finds it hard to believe just how far she's come. I can sit down at the United Nations now. I'm talking to you at 44 years old. But if you ask me in the 1990s that I'll do that, that's not possible. I was a street kid. I was on the, on the street eating one meal a day, uh, not having clothes. My, my life was in the hand of, of uh, NGOs and Oxfam and, 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 and all these village SOS and SOS villages. So I was wearing all the clothes. Uh, you know, so now you know, I'm here going back to refugee camps, helping young women and girls and rather than giving them all the clothes, I'm giving them computer kits. I'm giving them raspberry pies because I know that is the future. I, I'm not saying there's no poverty in the camp. I'm not saying there's no poverty in Africa. What I'm trying to do is change the mindset of, yes, I need some clothes, but I also need some skills because if I have skills, I can buy more clothes. I am the code is mobilizing government and private sector and philanthropic foundations to invest in these girls, to see them differently, not just as object of development, I see them as women who can actually do something with their life and give them job and skills and give them the dignity back. When a young woman has got money, when she has got skills, when she knows that she's safe 
and she can express herself. She's part of the world. And that's what I'm trying to tell the world by 2030. Watch me, because I am going to teach one million women and girls how to code. And she continues to be a voice for Africa. The African continent is growing. You know, there is still poverty, of course, but there's poverty everywhere. Poverty in the United States, poverty in the UK, where I live. Africans want to change the narrative. Yes, of course, we focus on refugees and, and the poverty that is in Africa. But African poverty is man-made. Because for many, many years, Africa has been in the hand of the global development community. You know, Africans never had their say in many, many ways. And now for the, for the last 10 years, for the last 15 years, Africans are waking up and creating businesses. They're investing in their content. They're going back home. Typical example to show how Africa is progressing. In 1994, when Bob Geldof went on stage to scream to the world to help Ethiopia, that Ethiopia was dying with famine. That was good because that was the time that he could, he was educating the Westerners to help the Horn of Africa and to help Ethiopia. But today, Ethiopia have got 64% of the parliament in Ethiopia is women. Uh, they elected the first African president. They reducing poverty. If you go to hotels in Addis Ababa, it's unbelievable. So I think that's a sort of narrative changing to progress, not to famine. Yes, famine existed, but they overcome famine. Genocide exists in Rwanda, but they overcome genocide. We just need to move forward with, with positivity, but also allow Africans to build their own narrative. You can learn more about Mariam Jam and her work at theglobalgoalscast.org or at the hashtag IamTheCode. We're going to meet another remarkable woman in technology after the break. Now we're going to hear from MasterCard's Shamina Singh, president of the MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth, who's going to share how innovation can drive inclusion, which can in turn power societies and economies. And now is the time for the interview with Shamina Singh, president of the MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth. And actually, this is very pertinent because one year ago, when we launched the Global Goalscast, we did it at Shamina's dinner in Davos. So it's fantastic to have you here, Shamina. I'm delighted to be here. The Center of Inclusive Growth, which now literally is the DNA of MasterCard. Why do you see financial inclusion for women to be such a critical topic? It's just a thrill to be here with the both of you having this conversation. I feel like it's been one we've been having for years. Yes. And to actualize it during this podcast is really delightful. So thank you both for having me here. The idea of financial independence, economic empowerment, and control over finance is a cornerstone of how any one can make it or break it in this world. Unfortunately, what we found is that women have been left out of that process on a scale that is not only hurting families and communities, but it's hurting economies. What's more important is it's actually lost opportunity. And I think it's why it's important. It's actually part of the sustainable development goals, because as we all know, if you realize the economic potential of women the world transforms and transforms in a way that achieves growth for everybody. We heard Shamina from Maryam Jam, who I know you know about I Am The Code. Uh, she's another fellow young global leader. 
Tell us about MasterCard's Girls for Tech. Yes, Mariam is a very good friend, and she's doing incredible work. And I think with people like her and with the Girls for Tech program that actually MasterCard launched in 2014, again, we're going to create a new set of actors in the technology space that heretofore just haven't been there. Unless we make sure that women and girls have access to the learning, to the tools, to the education that's required to not only succeed in this new economy, but actually shape the new economy, we won't realize the potential of what's possible. So Girls for Tech is about creating future problem solvers. That's how we see girls in the future and right now. So we have to make sure that the STEM principles are shared equally. And we have a goal, actually, to reach 200,000 girls by 2020. We're halfway there in 25 countries. Because we're a global company with network all over the world, we're in 210 markets, when you're a company like MasterCard who has reach everywhere, ubiquitous, you have an opportunity to reach everyone everywhere. Welcome back to Global Goalscast. Claudia, you have another amazing woman to introduce us to. Yes, Edie. She is an ambassador from our partner, One Young World. We caught up with her on a cattle ranch in her home country of Uruguay, where I happened to spend my holidays this year. My name is Victoria Alonso Perez, and I am the founder of ChipSafer. I am an electronics and telecommunications engineer, but I used to work with small satellites, and I love space. When I was four years old, my dad, who is an accountant, he was writing numbers on a piece of paper, and I asked him what was the use of those numbers. So he took me to the window, and it was a full moon day, and so he pointed to the window and he told me that humans had been there thanks to the proper combination of those numbers. So from that day, I knew that I wanted to work in aerospace for sure. Growing up, most people told me that I would never be able to have an aerospace career. In school, my classmates would tease me all the time. In Uruguay, we had no aerospace industry. So for me to be at uh, 10 years old telling all my classmates that I wanted to be an aerospace engineer and work at NASA, that was something really, really strange for Uruguay. The stars inspired her, but it was a trip to the happiest place on earth that sealed the deal. A family trip to Florida really set Victoria on her course. When I was 10 years old, my parents, they could uh, fortunately take us to Disney World. And since we were in Disney World in, in Orlando, my dad uh, knew that I loved space. So for an entire day, we went to NASA. So we did the whole NASA tour of Kennedy Space Center. And that was unbelievable for me. I mean, I couldn't believe where I was. When I was 14, I started a project on how to colonize Mars. I presented it at the science fair and then I kept working on it. And when I was 21, I got this grant to present the project at the International Astronautical Congress. I was chair of Space Generation Advisory Council. And through that, every year we do a, a congress that is called the Space Generation Congress. And every year we invite the NASA administrator. And uh, when, when I was chair, we invited Charles Bolden, who also is a former astronaut. And he gave me an autographed book thanking me for the organization of, of the Congress. 
So, so yeah, it was a, a very big journey going from that kid that everybody told would never get to be working at NASA. I never gave up because my passion for space was so big that I kept pushing. And I think that my biggest advice is that if you have a passion for something, don't give up. You will only succeed if you are doing what you love. Victoria had two passions, space and her native Uruguay, and she put them together. Farming, I knew a lot because I am Uruguayan and our main source of export in Uruguay is livestock. My country depends a lot on it. And I realized that the technology that I was using, I could actually use it to impact the rural sector of my country. And so she invented ChipSafer. ChipSafer is a platform that can track and detect anomalies in cattle behavior remotely and autonomously. The animal wears a self-recharging device that transmits information about it to our company server for processing and analysis. So the farmer can know at all times where the animals are, also get warnings if an animal goes beyond a specified perimeter, which is very important for cattle theft. The most amount of requests that we get from farmers is because of, of cattle theft. Claudia, I'd say rancher. What would you say? Well, Edie, I would say ranchera. But whatever we decide her title is, here is the woman in charge of the 6,000 head of cattle on the ranch Casarone, four and a half hours outside Montevideo, Uruguay. Federica is currently testing the Chief Safer technology. Here we are having a um, problem with the steel our cows. And now we are trying to eliminate this problem, putting a GPS in each cow to identify each of them. We asked Federica what she did before ChipSafer. We do the same that all the farms here do. Every day we look them and we try to count them, but sometimes it's not possible. Now in this farm, we have 6,000 cows. It's a big farm. We always know how many cows we have. The thing is, perhaps uh, one day they can kill us one cow and we don't know where. With this, we can have an alarm in our telephone that tell us where is that cow. The GPS send an alarm when the cow is out of the fencing. We can call, for example, the police, or also there is another company that received that alarm, and the company will call the police. ChipSaver tracks each cow individually, sending data and even alarms to Frederica's phone. It's much faster and much more reliable than a rider on a horse. But that doesn't mean horses or rancheras are being put out of work. Every day we have people that ride a horse. Technology probably is useful for us, but never replace the, the, the horse and the work of the person. So human, horse and technology will work together to protect the herd. But ultimately, this technology will do a lot more than just stop thieves, as Victoria explains. By monitoring the animals at all times, you can get better statistics and better manage your herd. 
also in terms of environment, by knowing the exact location of the animals, we can tell you that the animals have not been raised in endangered areas such as the Amazon rainforest. We envision a future in which you go to buy a piece of meat and you can know exactly where the animal was raised, ensuring that it was not having a negative impact in the environment. From tracking satellites to herding cattle, it might sound like a big leap, but it's just one small step for Victoria. So the problem that I saw was very similar. It's in a very remote location, of course, in space, and it has to, to be transmitting and receiving information while recharging by itself. And it also needs to have the position of where the, the satellite is. And that is actually the same problem that you have when tracking livestock, because livestock is in very remote locations, especially in Latin America. Farms are very big, so the animals can be in very big extensions of land. So I needed a device that the animals could wear and that it would recharge itself while sending and receiving information. In 2017, we did pilots in seven countries, in four continents. And after those pilots, we tested the technology, we showed that it worked. And then this year, we focused entirely on the mass production. Now we are focusing mainly on Latin America, even though we are having requests from other parts of the world too. So we are having a mass production and we expect to have next year a minimum of 10,000. Ultimately, Victoria sees cheap safer helping to solve two major challenges. The first one is we need more food with less carbon emission. Livestock is a major source of greenhouse gas, more than the steel and concrete industries put together. But the amount of greenhouse gas can be managed, even reabsorbed into the soil if the rancher or ranchera has enough information. We have active traceability of animals, so we can tell you where the animals have been at all times, making sure that the animals were not in any endangered areas, for example, the Amazon rainforest. But also, if we can tell the amount of animals that there were per farm, we can also tell you how much the environmental impact was of the animal, because the gases that the animals release, they can get reabsorbed by the soil if the soil is not degraded. So that's another thing that we're working on, is on monitoring soil degradation in order to tell you if all the gases are getting reabsorbed by the soil. Our main market is the beef market that is in very big extensions of land. So it's beef that has been raised where the soil can reabsorb all the emissions. With better management, you can use much better use of resources. So I think that technology is bringing this agriculture, let's say 2.0, or <laughs> in which uh, people are being way more efficient in uh, taking care of, of the environment. Because what we need in order to feed the growing population, we need more food, but we need more food conscious. Um, you know that we are not damaging the environment. So that's how technology can really, really impact the world and really impact biodiversity. She designs satellites, she's helping farmers, making more food for the entire world while protecting the environment. So, we asked Federica, what is it like to work with Victoria? She's so nice, she's so young. It's incredible how intelligent she is, 
how how can I say uh, in English? I, I don't I know it's perfect in Spanish. Más allá de su, de su inteligencia y de su capacidad y de que trabaja en muchas partes del, del mundo, eh, la capacidad de, de, de contactarse con gente como, como yo, como la gente que trabaja acá, que somos gente, gente común. So what did she say there, Claudia? That she's awesome. That's it? You're the one who has trillions of words. We had like 30 <laughs> seconds from her and that's all I'm getting. She's awesome. <laughs> Pretty much, that's actually the summary. She's she's awesome, and she's one of many women working on bringing technology to agriculture. Um, people that I know that we have mentioned in previous episodes, like Mariana Vasconcelos from AgroSmart, like there's an incredible set of young women that are working on agriculture through technology. People like the folks we heard who are using the Mono app, not even the people who've invented them, but people who are using that technology to then bring others in their community around them. People like Charity in the new Lusaka market, people like Maynard Chabota that we featured in the episode on food, who are using that technology, using the Mono technology, that eBay for agriculture, to bring others in their community to the table. We always highlight three facts that you can use to impress your mother-in-law. This episode, those facts are going to be presented to us by our friend and colleague, Anjali, from the Nevertheless podcast. Hi, Edie. Thanks very much for having me. My name is Anjali Ramachandran, and I'm an executive producer of Nevertheless podcast, which we produce at Story Things for Pearson. Nevertheless is a podcast about uh, the women changing teaching and learning through technology. I'm also a co-founder of Ada's List, which is a global community for women and those who identify as women working in technology with over 6,000 members at the moment. And I'm really happy to be talking about the three facts for your podcast. The first one is that 88.5% of aerospace engineers are male. The second one is that the percentage of women in software engineering or web development roles in 2018 was 16% only. In 2014, that was 14%, so it's just a 2% increase, not growing fast enough, in my opinion. And the third fact is that 60% of the FTSE 250 companies have less than 25% representation of women on their boards. Here's a bonus fact. <laughs> Cattle ranching is a major source of the gases that warm the climate. Come back in 10 years and we will tell you how much chip saver has helped create new techniques to curb that. And we're also going to give you three actions that you can take if you care about these issues and you want to do more. The first two come from Anjali of Nevertheless Podcast. The first action I think that all of you can take is to listen to Nevertheless, which you can um, download wherever you listen to your podcast and at nevertheless.podcast.com. Our last episode, or second last episode actually, was about diversity and inclusion in the workplace, in technology specifically, where I spoke to a couple of really interesting women working in the field. The second action I would like for all of you to take is that if you're in a hiring position, if you're a manager or an owner of a company, try and make sure that you shortlist at least one woman and one person of color for the roles that you're hiring for. And the third comes from Mariam Jam. We need volunteers, we need mentors to mentor the girls. We also need people to spread the word. I think what you guys are doing and what Eddie has been doing 
from the beginning is giving us a platform. We need a platform to go and tell the world that these young women exist. We need people to mentor them. We need the private sector to hire them. They're extremely amazing young women. Let's see them as technologists of the future. This is a fascinating start for our season two. I love that we're jumping straight into the world human main theory, which is that the world is already diverse. You don't have to invent diversity. We're making incredible progress on that front, but we have to make it more inclusive so that people can bring their best selves to whatever they are doing and do the best for the world and so that we can achieve equity. So this episode, for me, shows that including women through technology is the way in which you can improve the world. And also the fact that there are so many women involved in agriculture, which is so important for the world, and you're adding the third element, which is technology, is amazing. I am increasingly and personally more interested in making sure that agriculture and the world and the lives of farmers is improved and better. I actually, Edi, just took an ambassador role to represent rancheras in Latin America. They are getting more sophisticated, not only in technology, but also in the way that they want to be perceived and represented. And they are asking people like me to go and speak out in platforms, in different settings about the needs and about the pride and about their contributions. I love it. And I think the impact and the importance of agriculture is not to be underestimated. We're going to have a billion more mouths to feed in the years ahead. We need to do it while reducing pollution, while keeping plenty of clean water. And we've got Victoria working on that. We've got Miriam working on that. Miriam actually talks about the importance of healthy eating in I Am The Code. And I love how this episode relates back to our final episode of season one, using technology to bring people who hadn't had it before, improving their lives and bringing more people to the table. Yeah. And you know what I found fascinating? Just recently, I was talking about the sustainable development goals with someone. And you know how bested I am in this. I mean, like that was my job before. I was part of the conception of them and so on. But I never realized that inclusion is the one goal that corporations cannot say they have nothing to do and be involved with. If you think about it, corporations in everywhere around the world, the private sector could say, I have a say in climate change if that's what they're doing with water, or I have something to do with below the water and under the water and so on. But at the end of the day, when everybody has employees and everybody has human capital, they have to work in diversity and inclusion. So I love that this season is going to give corporations and all our friends calls to action and activities and actions that they can be taken because inclusion is the one global goal that we can all pursue. Can I give one geeky thing that I really liked about this episode, too? I like when you go geeky. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that Victoria was um, obsessed with space. And by the way, uh, I was also obsessed with space growing up. And I love that she was a, a scientist using space science who then turned around to, to look down on the ground to use cattle in Uruguay, where she was from. We've also spoken to space scientists in our episodes on climate change who used the tools that they had originally developed looking at the moons of Jupiter 
to turn it back towards looking at Arctic melt. And what I love is that the same kind of connections we see within the SDGs, we also see in our guests using one skill to apply to another. I don't know. That's my geeky moment. And did you want to be an astronaut? I did. My mom is actually in the studio as I'm recording right now, and she can testify that I did want to be an astronaut. I mean, I cannot conceive you with a, like a loose full dress with all your very tight <laughs> trousers. It's like hard to imagine. What you mean like with the bubble over my head? I could totally rock the bubble. <laughs> the bubble I can imagine, though. Okay. <laughs> well, Edie, this is the time to say goodbyes. And we are going to remind you to follow us on social media at Global Goalscast. Like, subscribe, download, rate us. Your recommendation does matter, so do it. We're doing this to improve the state of the world. You can do your part in rating us so that we can keep on doing that. And this is the Global Goals Cast. I'm Edie Lush. And I'm Claudia Romo Edelman. Thank you for being with us today. Goodbye. And now is the time for the second half of our interview with Shamina Singh, president of the MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth, and explore how innovation can drive inclusion, which in turn can power societies and economy. Shamina, in our last episode, we met a fellow from the World Food Program who created an eBay for farmers. And you've got something not dissimilar, the MasterCard Farmers Network. Tell us about that. We really dug deep and said, okay, we're a technology company focused on payments. What's our role in making sure that smallholder farmers have access to market? What we developed is something called the MasterCard Farmers Network, which really focuses on this idea that when you are going to market, You actually have to take your tomatoes or your potatoes or your lettuce, and you have to take it off the land, put it in a cart, drive two days sometimes to a marketplace, and then sell what's still fresh and however much you can sell. You can't negotiate back and forth. For women, this is particularly hard. Think about the safety and the kids and the family. It's very difficult for them to leave their land and to go negotiate prices for their produce. So oftentimes, they have to send it with an intermediary. And the intermediary goes, comes back, and they give them what they give them. And, you know, it may be the full amount. It may be something. It may be able to last them the next cycle. Who knows? What technology allows us to do is to say, look, everybody pretty much has a feature phone. It may not be a smartphone, but you have a feature phone. So why not empower the marketplace to say, I'm going to send out an order to this network, and I can take quantities from different people. And you can bid on the quantities that you can provide in the time. You tell me how much, how soon, and how far. This allows women to negotiate from their farm to say, okay, here comes the order. Here's what I have. Here's what I can produce. Here's when I can send it. And then the money comes directly to the woman. That simple tool allows more women than ever before to negotiate on behalf of themselves for their own economic independence. That's power, and that's the type of solutions that we're trying to think about as we think about farmers, as we think about technologists, as we think about entrepreneurs, small business owners, all of the places that unrealized productivity is holding us back, and we're trying to push ourselves forward. 
Well, Shamina Singh, president of the Mastercard Center for Inclusive Growth, a leader, a friend, a visionary. You kicked us off the first time around. You're kicking us off this time around with season two. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Music in this episode was by Andrew Phillips, Angelica Garcia, Simon James, Katie Crone, Amy Edwards, Ashish Pillowal, Alex Vallejo, and Ellis. This episode was made possible thanks to the support of MasterCard, CBS News Digital, and Harmon, the official sound of Global Goalscast. This episode would not have been possible without Keith Reynolds, founder and president of Spoke Media, who lent us his ear. Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no-excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our store up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro. Hey there, everyone. I'm Sarah Weldon, CEO of Trufinco, a finance company dedicated to helping both budding and established small businesses. I'm thrilled to be hosting Business Perfect Formula, a podcast designed to demystify business funding, real estate investing, and business credit. My goal is to simplify the complexities of alternative lending, showing you that navigating the financial landscape can be straightforward and stress-free. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.